Jack has... Jack seems... Nope. Mm -mm. Jack, it seems... Nope. I'm doing fine. <laughs> Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Okay. How are you? I'm okay. Just trying to prepare myself for going back to work tomorrow after a week off. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> it sounds like you had a fun vacation, though, from pictures I was seeing. Yeah, I had a very fun vacation. I'm glad I went. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I was in Toronto. I have never been. Yeah, I, you know, I picked a place kind of at random. <laughs> and I, was like, I will go here. But it turned out to be like a really nice city. And I enjoyed my time there and did a bunch of touristy things like aquariums and the CN Tower Excellent. and uh, the Royal Ontario Museum. All excellent yeah. things. And then I went to watch Independence Day on Independence Day in a movie theater in Toronto. And that was great. Jealous. And then Niagara Falls was in there too in the mix. What about the whole hanging off a building thing? I did do that on the CN Tower. <laughs> yeah. They have this, they call it the edge walk where, so they have like a whole indoor observation thing because like, it's a really tall tower. And then um, they have this walkway around the outside part of it that you can be harnessed very securely in and then walk <laughs> around out there and then they try to get you to do things like lean back off of the edge because you're not going to fall but it's still terrifying and it was really fun that's awesome and you're very brave I don't think I could have done that oh I bet you would I would be okay with the walking around part I don't think I'd be okay with the leaning over part I had a really hard time with the leaning backwards. They did. I don't think there were any photos of it, um, but they also have us at one point leaning forward. And I actually found that easier and less scary, which seemed to be the opposite of most of the other people in my group who were like, huh. yeah, no, because if you look down, it's freaking scary. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not looking <laughs> down. I'm looking straight ahead. Okay. But something That's about really cool. leaning back, it's there's so much unknown. You don't know what you're doing. And like, I couldn't see the edge. Yeah, I think I would probably have more trouble with that, too. It freaked me out, but it was good. And this doesn't even get into the part where I, not on the edge walk, but on vacation in general, where I was supposed to have a nice, easy hour and a half flight oh, that right, got yeah. canceled. And then I ended up driving to and from Toronto. That's which a long drive from here. It was a long drive, and I probably would have structured the vacation very differently had I known that I was going to drive. Yeah. Like fair. Niagara Falls would have been tacked on the beginning or the end of the trip and been mm -hmm. multi-day. But that is okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't miss your uh, baseball game that you had tickets for. I know. Oh, yeah. And I went to the Blue Jays. Wow. Which is also, also awesome, but you would have missed if... Uh, because you said that they wanted to like schedule you for a whole day later, right? Yes. And, and that's garbage. That's a whole day of vacation wasted. A whole day later, and it wouldn't have been a direct flight anymore. It would have been one where we had to go like stop in D.C. or uh, Chicago. Both of those make not much sense. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I get it. Like, Bradley's... So, Connecticut has one international airport, Bradley, and it's not that big. And I get it, especially because we're sandwiched in this corner of the country where... 
JFK, LaGuardia, Newark are all not that far away. So it makes yeah. more sense that there's more better flights coming out of those. Boston and Providence are actually kind of reachable also. Yeah. <laughs> but that is, it's okay. We got through it. The car rental cost, it probably is going to end up with the, the parking fee I paid uh, to park my car for the week because I didn't use it while I was in Toronto. It's probably going to be a little bit more than the flight would have been, but that is okay. Well, glad you had a good time. Me Sounds too. awesome. Thanks. Uh, you just got back from somewhere too. Where were you? I did. I ran a half marathon this morning. What? I'm very, I'm very tired now. You crazy lady. <gasps> I've run full marathons, but you know, I'm only halfway through training for the full marathon I'm doing in September, so... This felt harder than I wanted it to, <laughs> which I know is a really dumb thing to say because obviously a half marathon is hard, but I feel like it shouldn't have been this hard. Aww. But well, it doesn't. That's just me being harder on myself okay. than I should be. How was the weather? Because I have not stepped outside my house uh, since 10 o'clock yesterday morning. Oh, yeah, that didn't help that actually because it was really humid. And also this route wasn't too hilly, but it was somewhat hilly. But thankfully, it wasn't too sunny. Okay. Or yeah. too hot. So that was good. But it was very, very humid. And I didn't carry my water with me. And I should have. Oh, no. And I just relied on the water stations. And I was wishing about halfway through that I had my camel pack. Like, I had it yeah. in my car. I just decided I didn't feel like carrying it. Because I didn't feel like yeah. didn't feel like having the extra weight on me. Because it's just Fair. easier to not. Oh, yeah. But, and a, a, a good race will have sufficient water stations, usually, I feel like. For most yeah. scenarios. Yeah. And I knew that they were only going to be like every two miles. I'm like, eh, I can get by with that. Yeah. But then when I was like actually out there, I'm like, yes, I'm getting by. But if I had <laughs> my own water, <laughs> that would be more ideal. <laughs> Did they at least have some electrolytes along the way this time? I brought my own because okay. I, they didn't actually. I assumed that they would have Gatorade and they didn't have any Gatorade. So thankfully, I did bring my own this time, unlike Litchfield Hills, where I had none. And it wasn't as hot as Litchfield okay. Hills. So, I mean, I was still sweating and gross, but I didn't feel like I was going to die without them the same way that I felt like I was going to die at Litchfield Hills yeah. and was so desperate that I took a pretzel out of a kid's dirty hand that I think they were offering to me. Hopefully they were <laughs> you know, just steal a pretzel from a kid in uh, Litchfield Hills. But maybe maybe I did. Maybe I stole a pretzel from a kid. No, that's fine. Could be worse. Could have stole, stolen candy from a baby. Yeah. And where would I be? Babies don't eat candy anyway. Come yeah. on. Right? Yes. Yeah, You're really doing that baby a favor if you steal right? its candy. Absolutely. Yeah. But then uh, I went to Providence because this was in Rhode Island, this half marathon that I did. And it was in a little bit outside of Providence. So I went to Providence and went to a natural history museum. Nice. And it was nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And a planetarium show. Ooh. They said nothing about stargates or <sighs> anything like that. God. I can't believe what I'm hearing. They just talked about our solar system and various galaxies, and but nothing at all about the gold threat. So it was a little disappointing, yeah. but overall pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like pointing out all kinds of stuff and talking about the ISS, and I'm like, what about the Prometheus, though? <laughs> what about the Prometheus? Where's the Prometheus? <laughs> I would think you could see that overhead if you can see the ISS. Yeah. Because what I learned today is the Prometheus would have been bigger than the ISS is, so you should have definitely been able to see it when it was <laughs> around the planet. And speaking of the Prometheus... The Prometheus? Whatever do you bring that up for? It featured prominently in today's episode. Oh, right! 
That wasn't even an intentional segue, but it worked well. <laughs> it worked well. I was looking, if you hadn't brought up the Prometheus, I was thinking about trying to connect your natural history to the lack of history experienced <laughs> by the people in this episode. Fair, fair. But, you know, this was a natural history museum. Not an unnatural history. Not a human history. Well, I guess they were talking about human history because there was a whole section on space exploration. So that was ah, that was human nice. history. But then, you know, most of it's on evolution and plate tectonics and stuff like that, <laughs> which is also indirectly human history. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Not like written history. Yes. And specifically human centric. <laughs> yeah. 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 What is today's episode? Today's episode was Stargate SG-1, Season 6, Episode 20, Memento. Ooh. All I could think of was the movie Memento, even though I've never seen it, and now I feel like I should go and watch oh, it. Oh, you haven't seen it? Uh-uh. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't remember a lot, but it was definitely a weird movie, interesting movie. Yeah. What's it about? I don't even know, so I don't know why I was thinking about it every time I heard the name, but... It's about... I don't know how... A guy... Ooh, exciting. Doesn't know who he is... There's a lot more to it than that. <laughs> that was, wow, you really sold it to me. <laughs> I, didn't I feel like know. I've watched it now. I was going to have to sell Memento yeah. before this recording. Yeah. So now I'm really convinced that I should go and see it. Oh and my I God. Can't wait. wait, let's yeah. Google why. Oh, wait. I wonder if I can get ChatGPT to tell us why you should watch Memento. <laughs> Let me see if I can find. Uh... This is very important. It is very important. I'm going to ask the beard booby something <laughs> i can't think of anything i'm gonna ask the ale invader to bring me a beer while you're doing that i don't normally Ooh. request it he often just brings me one but just in case <laughs> i'm gonna put in a request Ooh, we've got a at least a five point list here of reasons Ooh. why you should watch a memento i may not read this all but i will give you there are several compelling reasons why someone should watch the movie memento it has a unique narrative st- structure, renowned for its innovative storytelling technique. Psychological exploration is number two. The movie delves into the themes of memory, identity, and perception. I don't want to give spoilers. That's why I'm not reading Yeah, no spoilers. Exceptional performances. So Ooh. stellar performances from its cast, particularly Guy Pierce. You didn't even announce yourself this time. The spell check stealth deliverer <laughs> i'm drinking a spell check now oh <laughs> by wormtown brewery oh <laughs> ah, okay i thought maybe jeff spell checked your uh your message to him or something well no i intentionally spelled it wrong because oh. the name is also spelled wrong spell check ah. is spelled s-p-e-l-c-h-c-k ah gotcha there's also an engrossing mystery the identity of a killer and the truth behind the main character's quest and artistic merit. It's a masterclass yeah. in filmmaking directed by oh. Christopher Nolan. So overall, the, it says, Memento is a thought-provoking and gripping film that challenges conventional narrative structures and explores profound psychological themes. It rewards attentive viewers. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> Guess I'm not watching that one. <laughs> it offers a unique cinematic experience that lingers long after the credits roll. It says it rewards. It doesn't say you won't enjoy it if you don't pay full attention to it. How many explosions are in it? From what I recall, none. <laughs> that might oh. be a problem. Yeah. Okay. Not watching that one. <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> anyway, so we should probably Stargate, talk about huh? the other Memento. <laughs> yes, Stargate. 
we see the Prometheus in space. And then we see the inside of the Prometheus. It has a commander. Colonel Ronson is his it name. Does. Yeah. He's kind of an ass. I didn't like him. He is, but Jack was being a massive ass through most of this, so I really didn't blame him for being an ass. Well, I didn't blame him for being an ass to Jack, but he was an ass to everybody, though. Fair. <laughs> He's not the only one. True. Neither was Jack. There were a lot of asses in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Was it just me or was the sound balance in this opening scene really off? I was having trouble hearing what everybody was saying. And I couldn't tell if it's because just the foreground music and all the alarms were too loud or if it was because Coconut had come in smelling terribly and Jeff was off in another room giving her a bath and singing to her about how badly she smelled while I was trying to watch it. (laughs) I don't know. I confess I didn't notice, but that doesn't mean there wasn't a sound problem. (laughs) Okay. I don't think it was just the bathing of dog and the singing about her stinky butt. I think <laughs> I think that they did have the music a little bit too loud and the uh, alarms a little too loud. Well, but you do want to hear those songs about stinky dog butt, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They are running some sort of training exercise where they've got a Gould vessel showing up. And they are practicing what they will do. Very exciting. I wanted to know a little bit, like, because everyone knew exactly what their job was and what they were doing. And I kind of almost wanted a little bit more backstory on, like, how did these people get chosen? How excited were they to find out that they were going to be staffed on this first of its kind space vessel thing? And where did they all figure out how to do their jobs? Like, how long have they been working on this training? Because it didn't seem like they were that far along the last time that... (laughs) We saw the Prometheus, but we don't get any of that. It's just no. a whole whole huge staff. Everyone knows their job. Yeah. And everyone is just serious, taking their job seriously and just doing their job. Yeah. And they are. They're doing their job. There's people running around. There's alarms going off. Jack and Teal'c are there too, wandering around in some hallway because Jack wants to go talk to Ronson on the bridge. He's annoyed at this drilling that's going on but that's not really that's just jack being ornery yeah (laughs) yeah i agree this is an example of jack just kind of being an ass because there was no reason for him to be going on the bridge in the middle of a drill yeah because when he gets on the bridge they're running their drill he tells uh the weapons officer to prepare to fire and jack's like whoa you think you'd already be prepared just being an (laughs) ass come on jack yeah Ronson's like, what are you doing here? We're running a drill. And Jack's like, no, I got to talk to you. <laughs> and then he leaves. He's like, okay, never mind. We'll we'll do it after. <laughs> it's kind of pointless. Like, he didn't know that that was going to happen. Right? Yeah. I don't know why he was surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that did entertain me about this is just the guy's name, Ronson, just to, in my head, sounded like a portmanteau of Ron Swanson. <laughs> Give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do you understand? Very different character, but still. (laughs) That's what my brain kept thinking of it as. And it was entertaining. Ron Swanson would not be somebody you'd want in charge of your spaceship. No. No, not so much. Probably not. Yeah. Jack leaves and they just continue their drill. And then we get credits. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I guess this was just an introduction to the Prometheus, that it's space-worthy, it's got a crew. Yeah. But SG-1's still there. But look, SG-1 is still relevant. <laughs> yep. 
There isn't going to be a Stargate Prometheus spinoff. No. After credits, Jack is talking to Hammond, talking about how he just feels like they're getting in the way, basically feeling sorry for himself, which I thought was weird. I thought he was just really bored. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess, but like maybe just enjoy being on this first of its kind ship that was like built by Earth and capable of hyperspace travel, because that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I guess according to him and SG-1 had valuable experience with hyperspace travel and so that's why they were there to basically just kind of give extra support but flimsy but okay didn't really seem like their extra support was needed I would guess that maybe they must have like made the controls similar to an aircraft carrier something similar on earth so yeah because I think they said that too like when somebody made a comment about it in the last prometheus episode they're like yeah well it's human designed but yeah uh, yeah. anyway because i'm like how are they all so competent at their job when there isn't anything else like this for them to train on so (laughs) that's why i was confused but i guess it must be just similar maybe they built simulators for it even who knows who Who knows? knows we don't find out and like i said i wish we knew more about it but anyway hammond says they're there in the unlikely event of an emergency just in case essentially but since likely nothing is going to go wrong, just enjoy the ride. And that's the end of their conversation. We hear Ronson's voice on the radio. He is talking to Vandenberg, getting clearance for hyperspace window activation. And then we're on the bridge with them. And they get clearance. Gant, whoever that is, the helm's person, says they're going to hyperspace. We see the Prometheus from outside, and then it disappears in a big flash, presumably having gone to hyperspace. I have noticed the Prometheus is just such a weird-looking ship. It's just so boxy and ungainly, and it really reminds me of something that my nephew would have built when he was, like, five. (laughs) (laughs) Out of Legos. (laughs) Because he used to love... I mean, like, he still loves Legos, and Legos are cool. I agree. But, like, now he actually, like, follows the instructions and builds things that look like other things. Uh, Yeah. He's built, like, various vehicles from, like, Star Wars and stuff. But before he really understood how to read the instructions, he would build, like, boats and spaceships that looked very much like the Prometheus (laughs) does. Well, maybe he just knows what he's talking about and he's ahead of his time or something. I don't know. Mm, Yeah. Maybe. Once they go into hyperspace, apparently Ronson and <laughs> the Helms person are just free to wander around. So yeah. they're wandering around. Good that nobody needs to stay and yep. steer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's ordering. I mean, I guess they're in hyperspace autopilot. I don't, yeah. yeah. He's ordering diagnostics and more drills. A whole breach simulation for 0500. Oh, yes. That is terribly early. It is. In the morning. He heads to an elevator where Jack just happens to be in there. <laughs> do you think he was just hanging out in the elevator? Just <laughs> he didn't have anything else hoping. to do. <laughs> right, exactly. Just hanging out in the elevator, just knowing that Ronson would have to come in at some point. And then he could just be like, oh, coincidence that I'm meeting you here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my headcanon. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> it seems one of Jack's issues is that he really wants to be in on the action, even on drills. And Ronson doesn't particularly want him there because 
He's yeah. trying to get his crew to gel and recognize his authority, yeah. and it all makes sense. That makes sense to me. Yeah, Jack would probably just end up taking over when it really needs to be Ronson in charge. So, yeah, so that they can get used to his command style. Yeah, and Jack's like, "Well, I guess." And then suddenly, the Prometheus drops out of hyperspace, and Ronson's Uh-oh. like, "We just dropped out of hyperspace." <laughs> That was not planned, so they are off to figure out what the hell is going on. Jack radios for Sam and Teal'c to meet him on the bridge. Why he didn't also radio for Jonas, who is also there, we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't really make any sense. On the bridge, Jonas does show up with everybody else, even though he wasn't called. Ronson comes in with them. Gant tells... Everybody that just came in that they were still supposed to be in hyperspace for another 90 minutes. And so she doesn't know what went wrong. They seem to pretty much be out in the middle of nowhere. And Sam thinks that there's a problem with the hyperdrive. There's always a problem with the hyperdrive. (laughs) They seem to have not figured out how to hyperdrive properly. And yet here they are hyperdriving anyway. (laughs) Jonas says there must be some instability in the Nequadria. Well... Yes, because you keep saying that Nequadria is unstable. <laughs> so why are you surprised that the computer detected instability in the Nequadria? Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. It's just, it's just so nonsensical. What? Our unstable Nequadria had an instability and it caused a shutdown of this thing that failed when we tried to build one before? What? Who would have thought? That it wouldn't work properly. (laughs) But anyway, Jack is mad at Sam because she promised him it would work. And Sam's like, well, it did for a while. (laughs) She doesn't really know exactly why this specific fluctuation would have caused the shutdown that happened. It was a more extreme fluctuation in energy than should have really happened, despite the known instability of the Nequadria. Sam and Gant are going to go and take a look at it, and Jonas is going to tag along as well. Sant. Or Sant. Gam. We already had a Gam. <laughs> yes, but. I like it. Yep. Major Sant. Major Sant. Because Gant is also a major. <laughs> yes, yes. Major's Sant. <laughs> mm-hmm. They go right to work. They confirm there was something wrong with the buffer they had to control the Nequadria instability. Jonas apparently has already figured out what caused the problem. It was gravity waves. They passed through a gravity wave from a collapsing star in hyperspace, and that broke it. Gravity waves are everywhere. (laughs) We know now. I guess they didn't really know that back then, but we've only just discovered they just were able to observe the gravity background waves that are happening all over the place by using... Shoot. I have to look this up because it was really fascinating. They were using like a specific kind of star, like a pulsar, I think it was. Basically looking at changes in the pulsar pulsing and using that to measure gravity waves. Let me see if I'm getting this right. Did I get that right? Okay. Yeah, I did have that right. They were using pulsars. This research just came out at the end of June, which is why it's super Uh. exciting. Because like we're talking about like literally a week ago (laughs) that they were able to really get an idea of just what they were calling the background gravity waves of the universe that are just like all over the place using these pulsars that cool. emit light 
or, you know, from our perspective, we're seeing like pulsations in their light. And so measuring changes in that showed changes in variations in the gravity waves. And it was really cool. Nice. Anyway, I won't go into the whole story, but this was done by who did this? Jonas study? Quinn. By Jonas Quinn. European Pulsar Timing Array. Oh. And it was a collaboration of five major radio observatories in France, Germany, Italy, Netherlands, and the UK. Good job, Europe. Right? Yeah, seriously. But uh, I'm reading this article on physicsworld.com, but it made a lot of other nerdy science news, too. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. But anyway, yes. So I will give Jonas a pass on (laughs) saying that they must have passed through a gravity wave. Yeah. So that explains it. Sam says, too much for the buffer. It broke down. Gant says, but maybe we could still go to hyperspace because it's fine and Nequadria is there. Sam's like, um, but remember how it's unstable and we don't even have our apparently insufficient buffer to stop (laughs) it? So they could end up anywhere, Jonas says. So that's not a good idea. They're not going to do that. They could end up anywhere. 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 Literally anywhere. Apparently the Prometheus has a briefing room and that's where we are next. (laughs) Sam is in there basically just telling them everything that we learned in the last scene about how the buffer is broken and they can't go anywhere. Jack is like, well, I'm sure you can fix it because you can fix everything. And Sam's like, well, we literally have nothing on this ship that would be able to help us fix it. That seems like really poor planning on their (laughs) part, if you ask me. Yeah, she says it's like a light bulb that burned out. You should have brought more light bulbs then. <laughs> Spoiler, they talk later about the possibility of bringing supplies through the gate to fix the issue. If they are supplies that are small enough to fit through the gate, then you should have had them in whatever storage warehouses you have on this thing. Already, that seems like one of the most important things on the ship, the thing that controls your ability to get where you're going and also home again, and you have no backup. Maybe they decided when Thor hijacked the ship and all of their food from the SGC, they decided Thor had the right idea and they should just stock all of their storerooms with ice cream, with Ben <laughs> and Jerry's. ice cream. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe part of it is that they were just assuming that Thor would save them because they do say, I guess Thor is not coming. Otherwise, he'd have been here already. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> Thor, <laughs> I did appreciate the part where Jack did ask, do we have any extra bulbs? And Ronson's like, there's no redundancy for that particular system. <laughs> Jack just repeats back. So you're saying there's no redundancy. <laughs> yes, it was stupid all around. Poor, poor planning on everyone's yeah. part. Yeah. So they're not getting back to Earth is the moral of the story here. And they need to figure out something else. And that something else is an idea that Jonas has. Again, because Jonas knows everything. Seriously? What? Yeah. Jonas is really like a key player because not only is he essentially Daniel, but he's also like a second Sam. (laughs) Jeff and I were talking about this over beers the other night like you do. Yeah. Yeah. He's really kind of like a Sam redundancy. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a good thing that they had him along. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler, maybe this is why he doesn't stick around. They're like, why is he here? (laughs) Especially once, you know, other spoiler, somebody returns. I mean, you can't keep him away. I don't think anyone would be surprised to find out that certain someone comes back permanently. (laughs) 
Jonas is then next shown sharing this idea he's got. For some reason, they've moved locations because he couldn't tell them where they were. So they've gone back to the bridge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He had to show them a thing instead of just telling them. Yeah. He needed to circle a thing on a board. (laughs) Jonas has discovered that there is a planet nearby... (laughs) 0.3 0.3 light years from where they are that appeared on the cartouche. There was a gate address for it. They had tried dialing it in the past, but they never got a signal. A signal. They never connected. There we go. But because it was on the cartouche, he assumes that they at least had a Stargate at some point, And so maybe they still have a Stargate. And then we can use that Stargate to go home and repair our ship by bringing stuff back through the Stargate. Stuff that you should have yeah. already had on the ship. Kant <laughs> says it's going to take them four months to get there with sublight engines. But Sam's like, we can use the hyperdrive conveniently for short bursts. Just not for a long trip home. Yeah. What could go wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, definitely yeah. nothing. Jonas agrees with Sam that this is a good idea. Ronson is like, oh, I don't think we have any other choice, so let's do the thing. So then they go to hyperspace and they make it to a planet. They do. Barely. <laughs> because even when they get there, the reactor won't shut down. So I guess when we said what could go wrong... This is what could go wrong. (laughs) The reaction's continuing and controlled. And they have to jettison their hyperdrive. You mean eject the warp core? (laughs) Yes, definitely not ejecting the warp core, Kathy. This isn't... No, we're totally just going to jettison the reactor module. It's a completely different thing. You wouldn't understand. You're not a science person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nequadria versus Dilithium? Come on. Definitely not stolen directly from a Star Trek plot. (laughs) Definitely not. I kind of said we should eject the warp core. Oh, that's what he always suggests. And it's brilliant. Uh, it is. Yeah, so they have to eject the warp core, and then they have to try to get away from it as fast as possible before it blows up. (laughs) Ronson says that we're about to find out how good our shields are, and I was thinking to myself, hopefully better than the hyperdrive was. (laughs) Yeah. this all happens there's a big explosion and the ship obviously doesn't blow up because that would be the end of the series but it does get damaged (laughs) in the explosion everything shuts down except conveniently artificial gravity and life support of course i thought this would have been a way more interesting episode if they'd lost artificial gravity too and were just like (laughs) floating around while they're trying to fix all this stuff but i'm guessing that that would have stretched their effects budget a little too far (laughs) there are no casualties so that's good but gant has no estimate of when they're going to get anything back online so that's bad yeah and uh uh-oh also bad is the incoming bogeys from the planet's surface. Apparently, they have gotten somebody's attention down there with the giant explosion that they just caused right over the planet's atmosphere. They try to take some evasive action, but they can't because nothing is functioning right now. They have no weapons to try to destroy the things before they hit. So they resort to begging. They tried to contact the people down on the planet. 
and are essentially like, oops, our bad. We didn't mean to throw a giant explosive device at you. It was a mistake. Sorry. <laughs> and it apparently worked because the missiles self-destructed like right before hitting the ship. And then a guy responds back to them saying it's Commander Kalthus of the Tigrian Security Force. And they're going to transmit landing coordinates. Jack's like, not exactly an engraved invitation. I was like, why would you be surprised that he sounds miffed? You just <laughs> threw a giant explosive device at their yeah. planet. <laughs> why would you think he would sound friendly after that? <laughs> Ronson doesn't want to leave until they've got their shields and weapons back online. But conveniently, they're going to have them back up in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> Everything but the damn hyperdrive works well, they don't okay. even have a hyperdrive now. I know. Well, everything <laughs> else works fine, apparently. Yeah, apparently. The shields are okay. Yeah. And everything else working just great. They land. Yeah. They do. SG-1 is geared up to go do their first contact that they often do. Jonas is briefing Jack as they're walking along. Literally, the two bits of information that he tells him is that <laughs> This it man is Commander Calphus, and the planet is called Tigria, and that's literally the only information they have, and I'm pretty sure Jack probably remembered that. Right. Jack was in the room for that. <laughs> he was. Also, why are they assuming that the planet is Tigria rather than just the country? Because they introduced themselves as being from the United States Air Force, and United States is obviously not the name of the planet, so... but. Obviously, Mary, there's only one city on a whole planet, okay? Of course, yeah. <laughs> Earth is the only planet that can have multiple cities or multiple countries. Except for the pangolins who have, yeah. like, two or three. Three of three. Yeah. <laughs> Sam lets Jack know that she has not been able to find any trace of Nequadria. Nope, Naquita. Trace <laughs> of Naquita. They know where the Nequadria is. It blew up. It did. Naquita yeah. means that's where the gate is, though. Yes. So a different thing. She has not found any evidence of the Stargate yet. I guess the sensors aren't that good yeah. because, spoiler alert, the gate's not that far away. So, yeah, they ring down to the planet's surface, which I was sort of wondering. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I was sort of wondering why, like, the Prometheus landed, landed. They yeah. didn't need to use the flashy rings to get off the ship, but they, they do. Didn't. But how do you get off the, the ship? There has to be some guys. sort of, like, thing that opens and lets people off. I don't know. We saw, like, a gangway. Well, like, when it was still in whatever dock or, you know, whatever that was, it had a gangway. Yeah. Up. Like mm, way high up, so true. I'm wondering if you just can't readily you just get have to, to the ring off of it. <laughs> just have to ring off of it. Good thing that the rings work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, I guess there doesn't need to be a receptor ring. Say yeah. What? After all, because they wouldn't have had rings there. I mean, I guess they could have had rings there, but I didn't <laughs> get the impression. Really- that they were using the planet's rings that were already there. I think that they, yeah, I don't know. I don't understand how rings work. Do the rings not have Naquita in them too? I don't know. Yeah, the rings would have had Naquita too. So there were no rings in the surface. So <laughs> I guess before when we were trying to figure out, does there have to be a receptor ring? And then we concluded that there doesn't based on what they were talking about in the episode where they're like, oh, here's the rings on the surface yeah. with the Tok'ra. And now, I guess, no. 
whatever <laughs> whatever it's third shot disintegrates exactly. things yeah. yeah yeah exactly it's like staying unconscious for just as long yeah. as you need to when you get zatted and the third shot We'll forget about that ever happening. Why did they use rings instead of seeing if Thor would give them their beaming technology? Right? That would have been convenient. I mean, I don't think Thor should withhold that sort of thing after all they've done for the Asgard. <laughs> Seriously. Although I guess the shields that he gave us worked well enough in this scenario. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they ring down. Yeah, they do. <laughs> like 10 feet. Yep. And then we see outside... Prometheus, the people of this planet have gathered their military (laughs) very quickly. They have. They are surrounded both on the ground and in the air by military weapons and vessels and people. (laughs) Kalfus, who is the commander that Jack talked to in case we didn't remember his name after he said it and then... (laughs) Jonas told us again. <laughs> Reminded him. Yeah. Yeah. Tells them to drop their weapons. Jack tries to introduce himself, but they are not having that. He tells them to drop their weapons or we're going to kill y'all. So they decide to disarm instead of getting killed. And they put their weapons on the ground. So welcome to Tigria or wherever they are. Welcome to Tigria. Yeah. And then they head into the city and have a little chat. Jack guesses that it is Kelphis and this new guy, Ashwan, that uh, are in charge of destroying the missiles rather than killing everybody on the ship. So he thanks them for not killing all of them. Ashwan is much more of a good cop than Kelphis mm. is and tells Jack, I just trusted your voice is all. You just sounded like an okay guy to me. Jack's like, great. Also, sorry. Sorry again. Ashwan's like, well, if it caused damage to your ship, then it must have just been an accident. (laughs) Okay, sure. Not the soundest of logic, but, you know, it was an accident, so we'll let that go. There were multiple cities that lost power as a result of that explosion, but everything is fine because they've got their power back. Everything is fine. So there is more than one city. (laughs) Yeah, so there's apparently multiple cities. Calphus only cared about the economic systems that were impacted, and Ashwan's like, whatever, they'll get over it. It's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. And Ashwan is like, it was, it's nothing compared to meeting a race of people from another world and also discovering that they happen to speak the same language that we do, despite the fact that they're from Earth, which we've never heard of before. <laughs> TBH, he's right about that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The Targaryens. As I will call them, because that's what it looks like. That's what I keep reading it as in my notes, so I'm just going to go with it. it. The Targaryens, not the Tigrians, but the Targaryens, (laughs) want to know why SG-1 et al. are here and how it is that they think the Targaryens can help them to get home. And Jack says that they're looking for their Stargate. Why he thinks that they would have any idea what a Stargate is, I don't know, because no one ever knows what they're talking about when they talk about a Stargate, but... Jack's like, maybe this time. Maybe this will be the time they know what I'm talking about. It is not the time that they know what he's talking about. He describes it as a ring thing with a dialer thing, and you hit symbols, and it spins, and there's lights, and it kind of flushes sideways, he says. The Targaryens have no idea what he's talking about. So Jonas pulls out his notebook where, why do they only have a drawing of it? Why don't they have any, like, photos or whatever? Yeah. 
But no, he's only got a drawing from his notebook. Kelphus sneers at it and says, they seek the ring of the gods, lols. Ashwan says, we know what that thing is, but we have no idea where it is because it supposedly on this planet is just a myth. Jack is like, well, have you ever looked for it? <laughs> and Sam asks for some access to historical data. Kalfus is incensed by this request and says that they need to go back to their own vessel while the Targaryens figure out what to do with them. And Ashwin's like, yeah, but in the meantime, I'm going to send you all of the information in our <laughs> historical archives. Everything. All of it. Kalfus is angry. SG-1 is grateful. And that's pretty much the end of the scene. Although they do mention that their past was buried and Kalfus thinks that it must have been for a good reason. So I think that was the first mention of their history being intentionally buried. Oh, yeah, but they don't say that to SG-1. They don't. SG-1 has already yeah. left by the time Kalfus <laughs> mentions that to Ashwan. <laughs> SG-1 has returned to the Prometheus and they are reading through the historical data that Ashwan has sent. While you call people Targaryens, I want to call Ashwan Ashlon. And that's only because there was a coffee place in Lyme or Old Lyme that is called Ashlon Farm and had great coffee. Fair. Yeah. I keep wanting to call him ashram because that's like where you, people go and live and practice <laughs> yoga. And yeah. I had a yoga teacher that used to always tell uh. us about when he used to live at the ashram. Let's just call him an ashrak. <laughs> <laughs> we could also do that. That's probably just confusing things. Okay. <laughs> that we would never do that. We never confuse things by calling them by the wrong names. No. I don't know what you're talking about. Jack, of course, is not doing any studying, so he comes in to ask how it's going. Jonas says there's no information, no archaeological data, there's no ancient writing, there's no documentation of any old artifacts. So they are a little bit uh, clueless. Tilk has found no mention of the Chapa Eye or gold tech. Why don't they ever call it the Chapa Eye when they're looking for it? Why do they always call it the Stargate when most planets call it a Chapa Eye? I don't know. <laughs> Jack says that's weird because the ghouls are damn litter bugs <laughs> <laughs> that leave a lot of crap behind. It's true, but to be fair, so are humans. It's true. I saw somebody throw a can out their window as I was driving to Rhode Island the other day. God and it made me so angry it. because they almost hit my car with it, but also littering is bad. Yeah. People are jerks. They really are. Anyway. Don't throw shit at your car. Throw it in the trash can. It doesn't just go away no. if you throw it on the side of the road. It's going to be there for now hundreds or thousands of years. And yeah, you're not going to see it forever. It just means that it's going to be off by the side of the road, like killing animals or whatever. Also, someone else has to clean that up. Yeah. Or yeah. Or somebody else will then have yeah. to clean it up. Or it will kill animals. Or, or you both. Know, just, uh, or both. And right. then they have to clean up dead animals on top of it. True. Or next Very to true. it. They probably wouldn't yeah. die right on top of it. I don't know. Anyway. Well, probably not. Sam mentions that there is no history further back than 300 years ago. Jack thinks maybe a year is longer on this planet, but Sam says even so, it doesn't matter. <laughs> if they don't have any information for us about where they came from in their history, we can't find the Stargate. So they conclude that they're either hiding something. I wonder why anyone would hide something from a bunch of aliens that just showed up on their planet. And tried to blow them up, yeah. supposedly by mistake. Yeah. <laughs> or their past has been erased. And also maybe they did that for a good reason, question mark. I think that was me, not them. That's my commentary. Yeah. Anyway, 
That's Maybe. their conclusion. Speaking of past being erased, The Silo is a good TV series, and now oh. I'm reading the books. Oh, I don't know anything about that. It has to do with past being erased. Oh. That's a complete non sequitur, other than it just... Oh! Has to do with past being erased. I don't know. Oh, that... Completely different plot line, but... Sorry, I just watched uh, Strange New Worlds, too, which had an element of that recently as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> also good show. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, sorry. Really is. No real spoilers for that, but... No. I'll give no spoilers for Silo, but the book is good so far. I haven't... I'm only, like, barely through the first one, like, halfway through the first one, but I watched the full season of the show, and it was very good. If somehow you're here, and you're a Star Trek fan of old, but we're a little hesitant about new Trek, you definitely should watch Strange New Worlds. There's probably not many of you listening to this podcast, but... (laughs) I am sure that there are many fans of all Star Trek listening to this podcast. (laughs) Probably not too many who only like the original series but don't want new Trek. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe there's some. Hi, if you're there. Yeah, hello. No judgment. No. But but maybe watch Strange New Worlds. Recommend Strange New Worlds. And also. Oh, my God. My brain just went. The cartoon. to me all the time. What the fuck is it called? Lower Decks? Lower Decks. Oh, my God. It's like what cartoon? The Star Trek cartoon? Like there was a Star Trek cartoon. Not the <laughs> animated series. I mean, Lower like Decks. the original, like with the original series cast. I'm like that cartoon. Oh right, Lower, Lower Decks. Decks is also excellent. Uh, they're all Decks. good. I like them all. But if you're old school, those are the ones I'd go for. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Lower Decks might not be for the old school only. Maybe. Although it's still a great show. There's though. a lot of homage and. It's true. Yeah. There's a lot of references to all variants of Star Trek yeah. on that show. And it's very funny. Yeah. Anyway, Stargate, huh? <laughs> Stargate, huh? <laughs> um, the Prometheus. Now, yes, Ronson is upset to hear that SG-1 has invited the Targaryens for dinner. The Targaryens are going to come and have a formal dinner with them. Ronson asks, when were you going to inform me? And Jack's like, obviously now. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was a stupid question, seeing as he has just informed you about this. True. Yeah. Ronson does not like the idea of anybody from this planet coming on to their ship, but Sam's like, well, we need their help, and we need to try to f- make amends for almost killing a bunch of them and damaging their cities and whatnot. So Ronson, realizing that there's... Nothing he can really do about it says, fine, we'll do your little barbecue. And then Jack's like, do we have a barbecue? And then I want barbecue now. (laughs) They should just serve them all the pints of ice cream in their cargo holds. Yeah, melted pints of ice cream. (laughs) Delicious. Jonas and Teal'c have gone to Targaryen. And they are now digging through historical volumes there rather than on the ship, but still not having a lot of luck. They're having a little chat about how strange this is because they've been to a lot of planets and there's always like a history ruins something. <laughs> Teal'c says a gold would not bring this many Tauri to a new world and not force them to build monuments in his honor. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fair point, Teal'c. It is. Yeah. Jonas is convinced, though, that they could not have erased everything. It doesn't make sense to him. And while they're having this conversation, Tilk sees some rando hovering off to the side, looking at them. 
But when he notices Teal'c looking at him, he looks away and is like, oh, right behind these bookshelves. He's not good at stealthy. No. This random guy. Yes. As evinced by the fact that not only had Teal'c noticed, but Jonas noticed. See, Jonas is also Teal'c. Because he noticed yeah. from the start that this guy's been watching That's true. them. <laughs> He's always super observant of what people yeah. are doing. And that X-Files wannabe episode, yeah. he was like super observant of like all of the people in the diner. That's true. I mean, he's yeah. not... He's not, you know, Teal'c in the warrior sense, but yeah. Yeah, but he's like always on the lookout for weird things and yeah. danger and whatnot. So they both notice this rando watching them. What are they going to do about it? Yeah. Maybe we'll find out. I bet we don't. No, they just drop that thread altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Back on the Prometheus, it's dinner time. <laughs> well, not quite yet. They're actually just giving Ashman a tour first. And Ashwan has questions about the technology. Jack, of course, defers to Sam, who just you know gives the same explanation, basically, that they were giving to the news people back on that first episode that we learned about the Prometheus. Ashwan wants to know, we've already covered all of this. Why use such a dangerous substance to power the ship? Because it's any, anything else that they would have wouldn't be powerful enough to, for the hyperdrive. So blah, 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 blah. They happen upon Ronson and Sam introduces them to him. And Ronson continues to just kind of be an asshole. It's fine. He was the Kalfus of the Earth side of things. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because Kalfus is also kind of still being an asshole yeah. here. <laughs> They're just talking about the fact that, oh, you've got guns pointed at my ship. And Kalfus is like, well, we need to defend ourselves against you in case you try to attack us again, essentially. <laughs> we'll fire if we need to. And then it's finally dinner time. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Well, it will be. But before that, we go back to Teal'c and Jonas in the archive. Indeed. Unsurprisingly, Teal'c and Jonas are easily able to sneak up on this guy and startle him. And he's like, I didn't want to intrude. I'm sorry. I'm Tarek. I'm a professor of mathematics. But really, I'm an archaeologist anthropologist. Yeah. He doesn't add that part, no. but that's his role here. So I was confused as to why he's a math professor, but yeah. whatever. Jonas says, well, if you were curious, you should have come over. And he's like, well, I'm not interested in you. It's what you're looking for. But the same thing applies. So, dude, what? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> he tells them he's heard about their search already. So news is uh, flying all over the place. The yeah. world is abuzz with the visit of this alien ship, as it should be. And he has already heard that they are seeking evidence of the Stargate or Ring of the Gods. And he says he can help them. Jonas and Teal'c are like, ooh. So they're going to listen to what this guy has to say. But not right now, because finally... It's dinner time! (laughs) Ashwan is fascinated by the food, even though it looks basically just like microwave meals. Peas, gravy, Salisbury steak, maybe? Yeah, probably Salisbury steak, a classic frozen meal. I hate Salisbury steak so much. I haven't had Salisbury steak in forever, and it sounds tasty. I mean, I haven't eaten it since I was a kid, but we used to eat so many frozen dinners that were Salisbury steak, and it was yeah, so we did disgusting too. every time I oh, hated it. Oh, I loved it. them. I loved it. Ugh. I thought it was delicious. I don't really eat too many animals anymore, and when I do, I try to keep it to poultry, but go for a Stalisbury steak. 
I would 100% eat like 10 hot dogs before a Salisbury steak. I would eat a Salisbury steak. And then the weird mashed potatoes, like yeah. the film on the top. <laughs> yes. I don't mean I don't mean the cellophane that you're supposed to remove, but yeah. like the crust that forms on the top of the potatoes for unknowable reasons. Yeah, that's good stuff. Oh god. And then always the weird brownie or and fruit the stupid corn. Like. Yep. Always yeah. some corn. Some yeah. Corn. Yeah. Oh. We ate a lot of TV dinners. Yeah, me too. Yep. Anyway. I thought that it was weird that Ashwan was eating one pea that he had on his fork. <laughs> taking multiple small bites from this one pea but i guess he's never seen peas before and doesn't know how to eat them (laughs) or maybe he always eats his food in very small bites as his way of portion control i don't know who knows yeah they're just having a chat about whether this food is good or not and at the very least it came from millions of light years away so that's cool according to ashwan (laughs) kalfas doesn't give a shit about that though they start talking about the missing history the earth people want to know why the thousands of years are missing but the targaryens have no idea why and don't really care they figure that if their ancient history was supposed to be known then whoever destroyed it would not have destroyed it and it's probably for the best then that somebody got rid of it all Mm, their logic is not sound <laughs> no it no it's really not <laughs> ronson derisively says on earth we study our past to learn from it and this is just another example of ronson being an ass for no real reason but Kalfus snarks back we believe nostalgia is a sign of weakness so they're just continuing to have their stupid pissing contest <laughs> sam tries to be the go-between and it's like i'm sure both points have merit and Ashwan agrees. Well said. And then a drink to history, he suggests, and to the future. And they toast. He doesn't know what peas are, but he does know how to toast. Sure does, yeah. apparently. <laughs> Toasting is universal. After dinner, I assume they're being escorted off the ship. I should probably know that. Let me hold on. Presumably? Yeah. They're walking along anyway, the group, yeah. Sam and Jack. and They have not been turned into llamas, and they are not in big sacks exactly being carried by crunk crunk did they're was walking not it. there to offer more broccoli and they did not have a quick cup of coffee no. before finishing the job no nobody was dead before dessert no <laughs> <laughs> instead califus says the meal was interesting <laughs> i mean that would be the nicest thing i could say about that meal too i don't like peas either <laughs> Oh, I hate peas. Peas are disgusting. peas and Salisbury steak. And sometimes I like mashed potatoes, but not always. Love Salisbury steak. So I'm the Calphus in this scene. Love mashed potatoes. I'm Irish. It's required that I like potatoes. I love potatoes, but like sometimes mashed potatoes are not good. And again, this might be because I grew up eating the rehydrated flakes. I love those too. They're a staple of my diet right now because I'm doing so much running uh, and I need extra carbs. Fair. And I'm like, I will eat all potatoes all the time. Okay. <laughs> Even if they're fake potato flakes. I mean, they used to be yeah, potatoes. That's true. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Now I want, maybe I'll have mashed potatoes for dinner. <laughs> Jack pivots away from food talk, like probably we should and continue this episode, but I like talking yeah, about hungry. food. I haven't had dinner. <laughs> oh. I had pancakes like two hours ago. Three hours ago? I don't know. Anyway. I had Subway on my way home. Nice. From Rhode Island. But yeah, you gotta have some dinner too. But that was a long time ago now. 
So Jack pivots to, hey, how about you don't point those guns at us anymore now that we're friends, you know? That's fair. Yeah. And Calvis is like, hell no. Would your Colonel Ronson do that? And Jack's like, oh, yeah, you got a point. <laughs> Calvis goes to leave. Ashwan stays behind for a moment to apologize for Calvis's behavior because he is not a diplomat. Jack says they share that quality, although I would say Jack can be diplomatic when he wants to be. Yes. Ashwan explains a little bit more about the politics that are happening. He says that he, as leader, has been considered weak on military matters, and Calphus has been getting a lot of political support. So cool. Who doesn't love a military coup that might be coming? Right. Jack's like, well, we really, you know, mucked this up for you, huh? And Ashwan's like, don't worry, I only hope that his mistrust doesn't interfere with your quest for the Stargate. This guy is very, I appreciate him, but he is very trusting. Like He is like yeah. SG-1, SGC levels of trusting. And yeah. he's lucky that it doesn't come back to bite him in the ass. Yeah, he's lucky it's Earth that is the first visitors to his planet. But <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, I think finding the Stargate would be a great discovery for us too, so... Yeah. Win-win. Then we're in Tarek's off- Tarek's office. I had a coworker named Tarek, so ah. I just want to keep calling this guy Tarek now, speaking of <laughs> calling people by the wrong names. Then we're in Tarek's office, and he had a giant stained glass window in his office, and I wanted to know why I don't have a giant stained glass window or any window in my office at my school, but I don't. I have a window, but it overlooks a reading room below me and has a tapestry. Lord Clarence MacDonald and his lovely assistant... Here to view the tapestries. But it's not very interesting. I would much prefer a little bit of sunlight. Anyway, or stained glass. That'd be cool. I just learned the math department has windows. And I was like, well, what the fuck? Why don't we get windows? Uh, because obviously, I hope they're stained glass too, like this guy. Well, I was going to say, I guess it's a math department <laughs> thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Tarek is going to try to help them find the Ring of the Gods because... I guess even though it's not his job, he just likes to collect historical pieces from the before times. I would say a lot of people like to collect things even though it's not their job. This is very true. Yeah. He's got a whole bunch of relics from uh, before my people turned their back on the gods. Teal'c asks what god he's referring to, and Tarek proudly tells them all about Horus. Have you heard the good word of Horus? Teal'c is like, we have heard the good word of Horus. It is, in fact, the bad word of Harry Ware, but <laughs> he's not a god and he's a gold. And Tarek is like, whatever, I don't know what you're talking about, and just tries to continue on. But Jonas is like, well, you were probably enslaved by him. He didn't create anything that you're trying to tell us about, but they're going to just agree to disagree on that and move on to this cool papyrus scroll that he has. He says that he doesn't really understand the language. Which makes even less sense to me than that you've forgotten the original language of your ancestors who were brought here by the Gwauld, but you managed to just by chance evolve English the same way that we did? (laughs) Okay. Sure. So he hands this block print kind of thing over to Tilk and Jonas to look at. And it describes exactly where the ring is, conveniently. This one first paper that he happened to pick up that he can't read just happens to tell them where they need to go to find the ring. Cool. (laughs) All right. Yeah. 
Either that's a huge coincidence, or maybe they just wrote the location of the ring on, like, all of their papers. <laughs> so no matter what paper Tarek handed them, it would have said the location, because it was on all papers required, like, as a footnote at the bottom of everything. I don't know. <laughs> don't go there! <laughs> So they need to go to the wastelands of Anur, it turns out. They are far beyond the city. But he's found a lot of his artifacts there, he being Tarek, so that's where they're going to go. All right. Yeah. Meanwhile, cowfish. Cowfish, wow. <laughs> you know what's really cute is cowfish. They're adorable. Cowfish. Yeah. They they're related to puffers, oh. but they don't puff. They've got little. They've got two little horns that look like cow horns. And otherwise, they look like an unpuffed puffer fish. Oh, Yeah, with no spines. Not that all puffer fish have spines, but smooth sides, but two horns. Hello, cowfish. I'm looking at them. Yeah, they're stinking adorable. Aww. Love them. Oh. We had some in one of the tanks that I had to take care of at one of my various <laughs> aquarium jobs. Nice. Yeah. Love those fish. This, though, unfortunately, is not a cowfish. It's calphus. No. Yeah, not nearly as cute. He and Ashwan are having a conversation. Calphus is incensed that Ashwan wants him to take them, Jonas and Tilk and the rest of SG-1, presumably, to this wasteland to look for the Stargate. He thinks that maybe they're going to uh, do some recon and then invade. So he is completely untrusting. Again, he doesn't know these people. I don't think it's a thing, but he's a little bit paranoid feeling like at this point. But yeah, Ashwan calls him ridiculous, though, which I <laughs> may be a little bit excessive. But yeah, like we said, Ashwan's a little too trusting. Yeah. Kalthus <laughs> takes it a little too far the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a happy medium between the two. Ashwan, though, is hard into his argument about this is people from another world. They need our help. This could be great for us. Not only will we be helping people who have this amazing technology, but maybe, like the SGC always hopes, they will share their technology with us. Yeah. Calvis is like, but they could share their technology and share the universe and the Stargate, and then maybe it'll be full of more enemies for us to worry about getting us killed. <laughs> Which, again, good point. Ashwan is basically like the uh, the genies out of the bottle or whatever, and so we have to just proceed, and I'm very excited about it, basically, is my interpretation of that. Yeah, pretty much. So he, final word, Ashwan's in charge. Kalfus is just the military doing his bidding, so he is going to take SG-1 to the Badlands as Ashwan Orders. In those badlands, wastelands, wastelands of Anur, Jonas is confused because the gate isn't where it's supposed to be. There's two towering rocks that are conveniently still standing exactly where they're supposed to be, but the Stargate isn't between the two that it's supposed to be between. So they're going to have to start digging with completely the wrong equipment because they instead of having like actual digging shovels have these long skinny shovels that are more meant for digging post holes than actually like digging up any significant area of the ground but that's okay because they only have to dig down about like a foot it's barely buried yeah they dig up like a big area so it's like a 10 foot diameter circle that they've been digging up but they only dug down by like a foot when they're like hey it's the stargate yay <laughs> also if it was this shallow why couldn't their scanners find it if it was dug 
this close to the surface. Yeah, I'm also confused about, so it's it's covered. It's got cover stones on it like we've seen before yeah. on other Stargates. Does that really stop Right, I was People wondering that from, too. You know, ringing in or not ringing in, gating in because I wouldn't think so. Unless they're the stones are made of tritium. I, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on what the cover stones are made out of. I thought it was supposed to be more of like a decorative, protective thing. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, Jonas does some translating of what it says on the the cover stones and it says conveniently here lies chapa eye of harry false god of the people of tigraya it goes on though may they never know a day like that again i thought they said daylight again may they never know daylight again but i don't know anyway (laughs) oh you know what i actually yeah i thought that they said daylight too i think that this might have mistranscribed that i thought that it was saying may the ring Never know daylight again. Yeah. Mm. So I don't think it really makes a whole lot of sense. It doesn't matter. It knows daylight know. again. <laughs> In any case, they've found the ring. Tarek is thrilled. Jonas and Tilk are likely relieved as well. Tilk radios up to Jack that they've found the Stargate. Jack is definitely thrilled also. Jack is going to go and talk to Ashwan about getting them some extra help. So then we get... Some very, very triumphant music (laughs) and a whole big montage of them digging up the Stargate. What I thought was hilarious is that as they're digging it up and removing the cover stones off of it, the ground underneath the Stargate looks exactly like the ground that's been trampled around the Stargate. (laughs) Almost like somebody just like dug this big hole and then dropped the Stargate into it rather than them actually digging it up. Almost like the prop people didn't really do the best job of (laughs) this scene. Fair. (laughs) But whatever. The ground, like I said, underneath the cover stones looked exactly like the trampled ground around the outside of the gate. And then we see them raising the gate so that it is perpendicular to the ground and it looks intact and there's huzzahs all around. Calphus is watching from a distance through a telescope looking miffed throughout this whole thing. Sam lets everybody know that they've got the DHD and it looks intact too. And so they are going to give it a try. They type in a gate address and it works. But then all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of bullets (laughs) shooting at everybody's feet. (laughs) Thankfully not directly at them. Yeah. But a tank comes up and Kelfus is in the lead of the tank and many soldiers. Uh Uh-oh. And he says he is there to take back what belongs to his people. Do you think that Papyrus also said exactly where the DHD was buried as well? Surely so. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how they figured out where the DHD. Why would you bury them together? Why would you keep, like, the DHD I think you could destroy. Like, what? Yeah. You guys could have done a better job of protecting yourselves. Like, disassemble it or something. It's not just, like, one big piece of almost unbreakable stone. It's made of multiple pieces. Yeah, disassemble it. But no, No. it was there. Intact. Perfect working order. Yep. At some point later, Sam and Jack have gone to visit Ashwan, who has heard of Kalfus's seizing of the Stargate. (laughs) He says he's tried to tell him to stand down, but he refuses and that he is protecting the Targaryen security 
Jack suggests maybe having him arrested, but Ashwan's like, he's got a lot of support. The military may not follow my lead rather than his. Sam's like, hey, how about we use Prometheus? Jack points out there's a lot of weapons pointed at Prometheus, but conveniently Ashwan chose the commander of the guns trained on Prometheus personally. He's loyal. He assures them that no one's going to fire on Prometheus. <laughs> okay. If you say so. <laughs> okay. Back at the Stargate, Kalfas is continuing to menace everybody, and he says that the ancestors buried the device for a reason. SG-1, or SG-half, Jonas and Tilk, are trying to argue that you don't need to be afraid of the past, and you have nothing to be afraid of from Earth. It can only be beneficial to have access to the gate, and we can show you how to use it. And Kalfas is like, yes, you will show me how to use it. So now all of a sudden he wants to know how to use the gate, even though he was just a second ago talking about that the past was buried for a reason. That's kind of weird. I thought it was strange that he was just all of a sudden wanting to know how to use it, but... Whatever, that was the end of that quick scene. Up on the Prometheus, Jack and Ronson are talking about the situation. Their shields are down, and Ronson says that if they take off and get fired on, they're going to basically be screwed. But Jack promises that Ashwan promised that they wouldn't be fired upon. Ronson is skeptical since he's lost control of that other branch of the military that is now holding the gate and SG half hostage. If he's lost control of that part, how do we really know that they can trust them to not fire on the Prometheus? But Jack's like, but he said they wouldn't. So we just need to trust them. And I guess that reasoning is good enough. (laughs) Basically, because next thing we know, Ronson is telling Gant to fire up the sublight engines and to arm all available weapons just in case they need to return fire. And they head off to the wastelands. Yeah. Oh, Ashwan's actually on the ship at this point to just try to also help assure Ronson that nobody's going to fire because he wouldn't be on the ship himself if he thought that his people were going to fire on it. So they head off. Yeah. Towards the ring or towards the gate. After they arrive, I think, at least in the general vicinity, Sam, Jack, and Eshwan are going to ring down to the planet. Sam's like, are you sure you're up to this? It could get crazy down there. And he's like, (laughs) it's fine. I should have done this a long time ago. You know, taking control, slapped down (laughs) Kalfas. They ring down. Ashwan goes to talk to Kalfas. He tells him to let everyone go. This has gone far enough. Ashwan tells Kalfas to release everyone. Kalfas is like, hell no. We're not going to let them give the Stargate over to aliens. But then Ashwan looks deep inside himself (laughs) and gives a speech talking about what a cautious good man Kalfas is. But he just, you know... He doesn't understand. He thinks like our ancestors. And I used to think that way, but not anymore. These folks, they're our friends. They're our lost brethren. This is our history. Gesturing at the Stargate. We need to stop being afraid like our ancestors. And we need to learn who we are. 
and who we may become someday, and we can't do that without our history. And his inspiring speech actually inspires. He tells all of the soldiers under Kalfas's command to stand down, and they do. And he orders Kalfas taken away, and he is taken away. So good job, Ashwan. Way to actually be a leader, yeah. I guess. <laughs> now that everything's settled down, SG-1 is ready to go home and grab some equipment and head back through the gate. Sam says it's going to be a few days before they're back. And Ashwan says, until then, Ronson and crew will be their honored guests. And I am going to give us all a state dinner when you return. And it will probably, hopefully, be better than frozen dinners of Salisbury steak. He doesn't say that, but I hope so. Hopefully so. I mean, I like a Salisbury steak dinner, like I said. But if it was a state dinner, I would hope it would be better quality than that. Jonas thanks Tarek for his help. Tarek's like, no, thank you. And I can't wait to learn more stuff. And it's going to be amazing. And Jonas is like, yeah, we can totally help you out with learning more things about our history, Earth's history, the gold, whatever you want to know. I thought maybe the first thing they should do is give these folks an iris since they just had them unbury something that will, in fact, kill them if the gold find them. And then... Yeah, that's about it. That is it. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the episode. Did you like the episode? I did. I thought it was interesting enough uh, to hold my interest, I guess I should say. <laughs> uh, until Kalfus goes full conspiracy crazy, I thought it was a interesting look at, yet, uh, at another culture that basically is very similar to the way that Earth is portrayed in the show, so you have SG one on one side and say the NID on another, and you know other in Kinsey who they're all very reticent about using the Stargate at least in the you know in the past, and so this was basically a very similar conflict between the two. But I thought it was kind of nicely done between them, and I guess so. It, it was fine. I guess is where I'm going with this. I was irritated with Jack being extra. Jack in this episode <laughs> and both Kalfas and Ronson a little bit being the asses they are, but it was fine. Yeah, I liked it mostly. How about you? It was, yeah, kind of mostly fine. Kalfas was kind of an ass. Ronson was kind of an ass. There were parts of it that were entertaining. At the beginning, I was like, is this trying to be a submarine movie <laughs> or a Star Trek movie and just not really doing a good job of either? And I was a little bit skeptical, but I did think it got a little bit better after the initial scenes of like, oh, no, we're in space and things are going wrong (laughs) on our shoddily built ship (laughs) with poor technology. Uh, But yeah, I thought it was interesting overall. And there were, as I mentioned, those few things that just made no sense, but that amused me anyway, like the fact that they can't read the papyrus, but just happened to be the right papyrus. And (laughs) the Stargate is just a foot down. And all of those odd coincidences. (laughs) Such coincidences. It was entertaining overall. Not not one of the best episodes, but not awful. Yeah. 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 What about what's next? Maybe that will be one of the best or not episodes what What is is next next? (laughs) 
What is next is the penultimate episode. Holy Hannah. Holy of season Hannah. six, which is episode 21, Prophecy. On a routine mission, SG-1 encounters a civilization desperate to be freed from the clutches of a gold. While on the planet, Jonas falls ill and is suspended from active duty. His mysterious illness is diagnosed, diagnosed as a brain tumor, but gives him the unbelievable ability to glimpse the future. A future where O'Neill and SG-1 are walking into a trap. Walking into what? A trap. Oh, a trap. Sorry. Meanwhile, at the TVDB, it says the team finds an impoverished world enslaved by a gold underlord, but their plans to free it may be compromised when Jonas experiences unexplained visions of the future. Maybe he kept a little something that Nearty was offering. Hmm. Could be. Could be. Or maybe it's whatever radiation affecting his brain. Yeah. Yeah, but in a different way than his <laughs> co-workers. Oh, Jonas. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Guess we'll find out. I guess we will find out. Yeah. In the meantime, thanks everybody so much for listening. Please remember to, if you have not already subscribed, liked us wherever you can, leave reviews for us, all of that good stuff. We would very much appreciate it. Tell all your friends and family about this podcast and that they should listen to it. Not that they shouldn't. Just being clear there. <laughs> if you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, stargatesing.space. You can also find us on the social media platforms of instagram at stargazing and we are also on mastodon.world at and we are at stargazing there as well finally if you are feeling generous and would like to give us a hand with this podcast in a financial sense you can visit us at patreon.com stargazing where we yeah also have some bonus content Indeed. Indeed. We should do more bonus content soon. We should. You just need to watch Pachinsky and we'll I be do all need over to watch Pachinsky. It just seems so awful. <laughs> it's, <laughs> and it's, I haven't gotten to it yet. It's not the, the fact best. that I have the fact that I haven't been able to find a transcript to it means that it's gonna take like twice as long to watch it and take notes. <laughs> <sighs> I will. I promise. I will. That's like thirty episodes ago now at this point. Literally thirty, because this was oh no, well twenty nine. This is uh this is episode one twenty nine and that's a reference to episode one hundred of the show. So <laughs> I know, I'm the worst. Still though. I will, I'll do it, I promise. I, I suffered through it. I didn't do it for no reason. No, I know. I'll I'll be I've been so busy, but I know, I, I know this You're... session is not as busy as my first session was or as spring was, so I will that's do it. Good. I'm working my way through my list of <laughs> things oh one of the many things on my to-do list i'll suppose i'll mention is putting together our merchandise so that we can finally open a merchandise store and that is almost ready to go so that will be soon that's exciting in case anybody wants a shirt or a sweatshirt for your dog or paint glass or whatever oh my god yes a dog sweatshirt please oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. there's a dog sweatshirt on there don't you worry yeah (laughs) yeah just gotta finalize the ability to take payments and that was more than I had the bandwidth to deal with the other day. That is totally reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. But that should be up. Yeah. Might even be up by the time this comes out. Woo! Although probably we should order some stuff and 
make sure that it looks like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before we let it go public. <laughs> I suppose. But soon. Ooh. Soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, I continue to be Kathy. I am now and will forever be Mary. Ooh. And you have been listening to Stargate Sing. The end. The end. Nearby, point three yitlers. Yite, <laughs> yite years. <laughs> I haven't even been drinking today. Point three light years 